0: to The Gaggle, an A.C. Central podcast where we chat with reporters and experts to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm Yvonne Wingett Sanchez, and I cover national politics.
1: And I'm Ron Hanson. I cover the congressional delegation.
0: Today, we're talking money, sports, and, as always,
1: politics. So specifically, we want to talk about the idea of taxpayer-funded sports arenas. What does that mean exactly? Who's supporting it? Who's against it? And why it's more complicated than it might seem.
0: Shame on each and all of you. We are not in the business of paying taxes to support private enterprise. We'll be talking to Republic reporters Jessica Bain and Craig Harris to discuss why exactly this is making headlines right now. First up, Jessica, thanks for coming on the show today. Of
2: course. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Jessica, what's going on with Arizona's sports venues and its subsidies right now? Why are these back in the headlines?
2: So the issue of taxpayer-funded sports stadiums, arenas, the whole nine yards in the Valley dates back decades, and I know reporter Craig Harris will be able to fill you in on that soon, but the issue is popping up right now because the Phoenix Suns are nearing the end of their original lease for the downtown arena. And the team wants some significant upgrades to its playing quarters.
0: And really quickly, before we go any further, can you just explain in very basic terms, what does it mean to have a publicly funded sports arena?
2: So typically, a publicly funded arena or stadium is a partnership between a professional sports team and the local government. And that's how the Suns Arena deal was laid out in the early 90s. Basically, the Suns and Phoenix pretty nearly split the price of the arena, but the city technically owns the building and therefore is responsible for renovations as the landlord, which is why we are where we are.
1: So give us the details of this latest deal. What What are the uh, top line numbers?
2: So we're talking about a $230 million renovation. $150 million of that is coming from Phoenix taxpayers. $80 million is coming from the Suns. And it will keep the suns in downtown through at least 2037. And it is funded through an existing tourism tax. That's a tax on things like car rentals and
0: hotel nights. So can you clarify that $150 million from taxpayer? That was was really the rub there, right? Because you just said it was a tax on tourists. But really, is it Arizona residents that are being made to bear the brunt of, of this subsidy?
2: Sure. And, you know, that is what the debate comes down to, because, no, truly, it's mostly out of state or at least out of Phoenix people who are paying for hotel rooms and car rentals. But at the end of the day, it's money that the city of Phoenix could use however it would like to. And it's choosing to use it for this. So it still is taxpayer money, even if it's not local taxpayers.
1: We found out about this deal in December, but this has been in the works for some time before that talk about the time frame on this.
2: Yeah, goodness. I think they have been meeting in executive
0: sessions to discuss the
2: arena for at least three years.
0: Three years is a really long time. What could they possibly be talking about? I mean, is this stadium so, you know, bad that um, that it's, it's going to fall apart if these renovations aren't made?
2: Well, it is one of the oldest in the league right now. And, you know, It depends on how you look at things, but you could argue that there are some serious concerns just from, like, a piping and everything else, elevators, things like that. Um, But, you know, when we talk about three years, there's a lot of negotiating that goes into these deals. And we know that the Suns were initially interested in a brand new arena. Obviously, that's not what this deal has whittled its way down to. Um, And that would have obviously cost a lot more. It would have had to go to voters that probably wouldn't have passed. And so over the course of these three years of all these closed door conversations, we've really whittled it down to where we are now.
1: How does this deal compare to what we've seen in uh, other basketball or other sports uh, uh, contexts of late?
2: so it's not as bad as some of the other deals you're seeing nationally but that's because this is only a renovation a lot of other places are getting brand new arenas but truthfully it's still a lopsided investment with the city of phoenix paying for a larger percentage of the total cost so for example the milwaukee bucks are getting a new 500 million dollar arena in milwaukee The city is paying about $250 million of that. And that's obviously more money than the city of Phoenix is paying in this case. But it's an even split. The city's paying 50%. The team's paying 50%. Here, the city, Phoenix, is putting up about 85% of that cost. So, I mean, equity just depends on how you look at
0: it. With this stadium fight, like we've seen with others, there's always the argument from critics uh, of why are taxpayers being asked to foot the bill when owners are very well off, and perhaps they should be paying for it.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and that was not lost this go-around. Robert Sarver is the majority owner of the Suns, and he is a very wealthy man, and people are wondering, why should we have to uh, pay for this arena? There's two things here. One is that the city owns that building, and so at the end of the day, if they allow the Suns to walk... They have to figure out what to do with this giant building in the middle of downtown Phoenix. But on that note, the biggest thing, the biggest reason we end up giving sports teams money is that we are terrified that they will walk. And they could. We've seen that. We've seen that nationally.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, from Cleveland and I have known all too personally what it feels like when you lose a team. So I get that. But that leverage, that idea that these teams can leave, um, how does that change the the shape of of the bargaining here? Does does the city have any other uh, pressure points they can exert? What took this so long if their leverage is relatively limited to begin with?
2: It's very difficult. And, you know, teams are always going to have the upper hand because they can leave. Um, But, you know, I think that the reason the city took its time with this and didn't just hand over, you know, the entire farm, if you will, is that they know that this is so unpopular politically. And the city council was very nervous about having to take this vote. And you know, I think it's important to remember that it would not be an economic crisis if Sons left Phoenix. The city technically puts more money into the arena than it gets out for, by way of direct tax money. But, I mean, you are right. There are tangential benefits, um, including possibly most importantly, it's demoralizing to lose a team, especially if we're talking about the Suns, which is like the legacy team of the Valley. It's the one thing that predates most of us here in the Valley. And uh, so surely they use that as a bargaining chip.
0: So I have to ask, were the Suns really looking at pulling out of downtown Phoenix, or was that just a threat?
2: You know, I would say that it would be very hard for the NBA to okay Jerry Colangelo's team moving out of Phoenix, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day because whether it was a threat or reality, they used it to get at
0: least $150 million out of the city. So, And they were successful. Jessica, thank you so much as always for your expertise. Where can people find you? You can follow me on Twitter
2: at jbame news, and BAME is B-O-E-H-M. You can also email me at jessica.bame at gannett.com. In March
0: 1998, Father Alfred Coons bled to death in the hallway of St. Michael's School.
2: There were so many possibilities for who would want him dead. He rubbed many, many people the wrong way.
3: The message of Father Alfred is one that not everybody wanted to hear. People that liked Father Kuntz and liked the
1: church were all in, and those that weren't were all out.
0: From the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, this is Unsolved, Season 3, The Devil You Know. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Craig Harris, you're one of the Republic's investigative reporters, and you're back on the gaggle. Thanks for coming back. Thanks
3: for having me.
0: Over the years, you've covered lots of Arizona sports stadium fights, the Cardinals deal, the D backs, the Coyotes, and the Suns' last stadium renovation fight. Bottom line, what is your assessment? Is this Phoenix deal a good one?
3: It's not really a good deal compared to what's gone on in the past, where the situation was reversed and the Suns were paying more than the city. But when you compare it to the Coyotes arena in Glendale, this is a good deal for Phoenix. Glendale paid almost 100% of that arena, and almost all of the arena was financed by the city. So compared to Phoenix, uh, this deal isn't as bad, but Phoenix still got the short end of the stick compared to uh, what a multi millionaire sports owner did with a billion dollar franchise.
1: Okay, so you've mentioned Glendale. Uh, let me play devil's advocate here. The whole West Side looks differently now because of what they've done with the stadiums out there, yeah?
3: Well, you could argue that, but it sure came at a cost. Um, and even with that cost, people are not entirely happy in Glendale. Have, they've had trouble with their parks. They've had trouble financing their police and their fire. And, you know, it has been an issue of, well, would have Westgate, which is the entertainment district next to there, would that have been built anyway? Maybe, maybe not. So you never know. And then there are rare exceptions, like the San Francisco Giants, where they pay for virtually all of it. So it's not like a city has to go in front all this money for an arena.
0: So can you give us a sense of how public sentiment may have evolved over the past, I don't know, several years on these stadium deals, and especially narrow in on, um, I guess, the emotions of the fans right I guess if a team was doing really well performing really well I would think that there would be some sort of you know hometown pride uh, for the team if it was doing extremely well maybe not so much with the Suns they're losing pretty badly
3: well the Suns haven't they will probably not make the playoffs again for a ninth straight season that thank is you for
1: that element of suspense <laughs> yes
3: <laughs> thank you very much that is almost impossible to do in the NBA when you get so many teams that get into the playoffs, and they have just been a almost a decade of futility. Um, that makes it even worse for the fans, and that makes it even worse for the public when you are subsidized on a two-to-one ratio uh, of what's coming out of the public dollars compared to what the owner is putting in, who is extremely wealthy, and his franchise has tripled in value from when he bought it for $400 million to over a billion dollars now. So... You know, that's why there's a lot of people who are upset. I mean, even with the Diamondbacks, when they wanted a new facility, they're a little more beloved in this community because they've gone to the playoffs. They've invested in the community. They've built um, Little League stadiums.
0: Okay, but I've got to say they, too, are very wealthy and they back candidates or at least Randy Kendrick backs candidates who try to advance policies that might not be as generous as subsidizing, you know, vulnerable populations on health care or social social government reforms. Yet, these are the very same people who are going out there and asking taxpayers to give them money.
3: Well, exactly. And Randy Kendrick, as you noted, is the wife of Ken Kendrick, who's the managing general partner and the majority owner of the Diamondbacks. Both of them are extremely conservative. They have backed Republicans very conservative Republicans who have done everything they can to limit government and to give tax breaks to mainly the rich.
0: So is this just the free market at work?
3: Well, I'm not necessarily sure it's the free market at work. I think you could argue that some critics would say it's corporate welfare. These are not even one percenters. They're a fraction of one percenters. And they are asking for a handout from the public. And it's because all of the people in their club, all of their owners that are in the same group, whether it's Major League Baseball, the NBA, or, or hockey or NFL, it's a small group of multimillionaires or billionaires that just expect the public to pay for their arenas.
1: So, Craig, you're like me in, in some ways. Uh you've been in a city that has lost a team. You know about Seattle's experience losing the Supersonics. Um, talk about that. I mean, the C- city of Seattle obviously has not closed down. They are still kind of daydreaming about getting another team. Um, how does this affect the equation for uh, lawmakers or for uh, city councilors as they weigh their
3: options here? Do they just fear that they will be the next Seattle? I think you could be as concerned in the next Seattle, but like you said, Seattle is still a vibrant community. People still go there. They have a lot of commerce there. I mean, they have great, uh, iconic companies. Ironically, Starbucks is headquartered there. and Ironically, Howard Schultz, who is going to be in town, is stoned, and is talking about running for president, sold the Sonics because he got into an arena fight there with the city, and they called his bluff. They weren't going to put money in for a billionaire owner uh, to renovate Key, Key Arena in downtown Seattle. And so, he sold it to a group of investors in Oklahoma City. And now we have the Oklahoma City Thunder instead of the Seattle Supersonics. Seattle is still a beautiful, wonderful city. And it's not like if you lose a team, your city is going to fall apart. And I think a lot of the argument dealing with the city of Phoenix and Robert Sarver is that, yes, the money is earmarked for renovations for an arena, but it's not specifically for that you could use that money for anything you could hire more police officers you could hire more firefighters you could pay down pension obligations you could open parks more you could do a lot of things regarding this money that doesn't have to go to renovate a facility in downtown phoenix
0: well that's an excellent point before we let you go craig can you please tell us where readers can find you
3: Sure. You can find me on Twitter at C. Harris, AZ Rep, or feel free to uh, send me an email at Craig.Harris at ArizonaRepublic.com. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, that's it for today, Gaggle listeners. If you have any questions, reach out to me on Twitter at Yvonne Wingit.
1: And you can follow me at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H A N S E N.
0: Gaggle listeners, we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the show, the state of politics, our coverage, complaints, compliments? Chime in on Twitter with the hashtag TheGagglePod. We'll be sure to reply.
1: If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're getting your podcasts. Your support is what makes it possible for us to do this each week.
0: Today's episode was edited and produced by Taylor Seeley, Taya Francesca Price, Katie O'Connell, and Kayla White. Thanks again, we'll be back next Wednesday.